welcome everyone to the Nerd Journey Podcast, episode 21. We're going to be joining you every week to talk IT career, news, and opinions based on our points of view. I'm your host, John White, at VJourneyman on Twitter, joined by my co-host, Nick Cordy, at NetworkNerd underscore. Hey, Nick, how's it going? It's going great, John. As usual, I am juiced up on some coffee that I've recently chugged for this episode. But I want to make sure everyone knows we are both VMware solution engineers looking to bring you the career advice we wish we'd been given earlier in our careers. Hopefully our career discussions will remain timeless and relevant across the disciplines. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with us, tweet or DM at Nerd Journey. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey. A journey to virtual enlightenment. So let's take a trip. Great. How was that opening for you, Nick? It was good. I mean, you know, we're we're mid to late January here. John, how are the New Year's resolutions coming along? Ooh, um, I've done the career stuff, but I have not gone swing dancing at all. I don't know if I've ever mentioned it, but one of my uh, one of my hobbies is swing dancing. You know, I feel like I might have heard that on one other episode, but we'd have to dig through the massive backlog of episodes to find that. Sorry, <laughs> listeners, we, that may not get in the show notes. <laughs> uh, what kind of coffee are you drinking, Nick? This is some kind of coffee that my stepmother-in-law sent me from some local place in Mount Pleasant, Texas. Oh, really? Yeah, it's not, you know, it's not Starbucks, but Starbucks isn't necessarily my favorite either. I, you know, from going to Starbucks, it's, it's grande pike roast venti ice water because the ice water allows you to drink the coffee at a very high temperature. So you just take a sip of water right before to ensure that you don't burn your throat when you chug the coffee There's a process. <laughs> that sounds like you have a coffee problem. <laughs> I may have some issues. Well, I started drinking coffee when we had our daughter about nine years ago and it was mainly just to stay up later and, and go without very much sleep. But at the time, you know, I was heavy cream and a lot of sugar. And I found eventually that I was able to get it down to black coffee. So that makes me more of a hardcore coffee drinker. I mean, I don't grind my own beans or everything or anything. That's the, I think that's the next level, but I'm just not there. Hmm. My, uh, wife uses a um one of those plunger uh things um from the company that makes uh those uh frisbee discs <laughs> i think we might have talked about it once before um it it actually makes a really great cup of coffee and uh and then the, i think i got that for her for christmas and then the next year i got her a hand grinder to grind her own beans every day uh, but she's cut back. She's cut back. Have you ever tried that, uh, that blonde roast from Starbucks? I have. It's it's actually really good. You can get it at Walmart if you want. Did you know that blonde roast is actually the most caffeinated coffee that Starbucks carries? You might think it's the dark roast, but it is actually the blonde roast. I did not know that. Did yeah. Not. Lesson lo- lessons learned from a Starbucks barista, John. <laughs> Well, welcome to the Nerd Journey Coffee Talk segment. <laughs> but I know coffee could be the career career advancement accelerator for some people, but let's get to topics, shall we? Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, today's topic is part one of Nick's one-year check-in at VMware. Uh, the way we're going to structure it is we're going to have an episode uh, talking about Nick's observations um, about this past year. And then we're going to have uh, our next episode be more about my questions and uh, you know follow-ups and, and inquisition into uh, what that year has been like. I also want to point out uh, to our listeners that we uh, have talked about uh, Nick joining VMware before. If you want to refer back to episode number one, that was your first week at VMware, actually. So uh, that's a great one to listen to. And episode number 10 was your seven-month check-in. Uh, so um, if you want to catch up with Nick and his career at VMware, um, then we those are two great episodes to listen to. So let's get to it, Nick. Uh, your observations after one year. Sure. So this is just to set the context for everyone. You know, I, I went from math teacher to business analyst to IT operations to a pre-sales engineer. So this is more about the transition from IT operations to being in pre-sales more than an advertisement for VMware. That's, that's really the goal to help everybody get a feel for what that transition was like. So in my case, one of the observations I had was just adjusting to work from home and not going to an office every day. You know, when you, when you go to the office every day, you're used to seeing your coworkers or having some interaction with them in person. If you're working from home a lot of the time, that's not going to happen. And now I don't, I don't work from home every day because I am going to meet with customers in my area or other areas, but you know, it's a different interaction protocol, so to speak. And my wife actually works part-time. She's a fitness instructor. So a lot of times when I would work from the house during the day, we would co try to coordinate lunch. You know, sometimes it would be convenient for us to have a, have lunch together or maybe she'd be kind enough to, to make a really nice lunch and it wouldn't be a quick lunch. But, you know, just planning that and remembering to to take some time and, and spend it with my spouse that I wouldn't normally get to spend uh, in a different role was, it was really nice to have that flexibility. And, you know, I have a nine-year-old daughter. So when she gets home, if I'm here in my office, she likes to barge in and give me a hug, which I love. It's fine. But she doesn't always remember that daddy might be on the phone call. So <laughs> we've had to help her understand, Hey, you can come in and give me a hug, but you know, don't, don't try to strike up a conversation unless you know for sure. And if you're not sure, send me a text or, or something like that and wait till I respond before you barge in. And she's, she's still learning. I mean, it's, it's been a year and she still doesn't always understand that. So try to be patient with her. Oh, that's interesting. I, I, I think I actually had to negotiate that with my wife. Um, <laughs> I first started working from home and we were living together just because and, and not so much the barging in and things. It's just like the, well, if you're home at like 10 in the morning, can you do this? And it's like, actually, no, I'm working. <laughs> you know, it's just the, um, that I'm home, but I'm working. Does it look like you're working? It does, you know, it doesn't necessarily look like you're working. It looks like you're surfing the web. It's like, yeah, that's, I'm researching, you know, something for, you know, a customer like, oh, okay. Right. Best practices on swing dancing in the coastal environment. <laughs> it looks like you're <laughs> just watching a YouTube video. Yeah, I'm watching a, a VM World presentation on 
a top. Oh, okay. On digital transformation through swing dancing. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but but you're so right. I mean, not everyone understands that just because I am in the presence of other people in the same domicile, that doesn't mean I'm available to go and do certain things, run errands. It's not that you couldn't go take the clothes out of the dryer and put the clothes from the washing machine into the dryer on your lunch break, maybe, but you can't be stopping to do that every 30 minutes. It's just not going to fit into your daily routine. I don't know about you, John, but I have, I have a decent routine style. You know, I like to get up and try to be working sometime between seven thirty and eight thirty in the morning. I like to take some time, eat a, eat a nice healthy breakfast, chug some coffee to start the day. Right. And, you know, I try to take a lunch break that that may or may not happen depending on how the the day goes. Sometimes it's a very fast lunch, so I make sure and have plenty of different things that I can make fast. Or if I'm going to visit a customer, I'll try and plan a place to go and grab some lunch in between meetings so that you know I'm not eating a a protein bar for lunch. Hopefully, <laughs> I actually, um, my wife and I are trying to get into the habit of having lunch pre made just so that you know, because we're both so busy, it's like, oh, if you have to spend the mental energy to like plan something right in that moment, uh, it'll just break down and either it will be the protein bar or it'll be fast food or it'll be, you know, something unhealthy um, or it'll be like a handful of mixed nuts, which is, you know, not great. Uh, you know, so it's, it's just having those things pre-planned. And I'm sure that every person who's working from home and is incredibly busy, you know, goes through this. And and probably it's even an issue for people who work in an office. Like if you walk out the door without having lunch planned, then, well, you're buying or you're doing something, right? Absolutely. And it would amaze me when I worked in an office of how many people work through lunch. They'll sit at their desk and they'll eat while they work. For me, even whether working at the office or working from home, I like to go away from the office, you know, whether I'm going out to eat or just going to have lunch in the kitchen and put work down while I'm eating. And yeah, maybe I'm listening to a podcast or talking to my wife or, or something like that, but I am not, I am not actively trying to answer emails and research questions. Just take a little bit of a mental break because it really does boost your efficiency to, to have that break. Yeah, I think that it's it's something that's overlooked. Um, you know, people you know want to be the hero, and um, or they have time pressure, or you know, I mean, honestly, something that happens to me is I'm working with people in different time zones, right? So if I'm in Pacific and they're in Central or Mountain, then they are past lunch, you know, at noon my time. So um, it, it never quite works out. So either you know, one of the things that I do is I block that out on my calendar as an actual lunch, 30 minutes or 45 or an hour or whatever. So they can't schedule um, something there or I'm eating early or late. Um, and, you know, I, I, I really like your idea of not, of walking out of the office. I'm going to have to actually maybe add that to my day, um, leaving the desk instead of, you know, being at the desk, but doing something else. Um, it's a really good idea. Yeah. And, you know, you would think that working from home gives you a little more flexibility, and it does, but it can also give you a lot more convenience to work more. 
I try to, I try to make my schedule flexible enough to where if I really need to finish something and I've already reached, you know, the end of the day where it's getting into family time, I might take a break and then do it later that evening. But if I've stayed up really late, assuming the next day is somewhat flexible in the morning, I might sleep in a little bit later. So I like to keep it not too strict, kind of have a framework, but then flex up or down as I can. You know, even when traveling, sometimes you're traveling, you get somewhere late at night, you may have a a meeting before lunch, but maybe you sleep in a little bit more because you were up late the night before, just so that you're fresher. You don't want to go and and meet with a customer or, or partner, someone else only having a few hours of sleep. That's just not going to make you very effective. Yeah. I know, I know people oftentimes may have trouble shutting things down at the end of the day. Try and ask yourself, what things do I have to have accomplished by tomorrow? And what can wait a little bit longer? And if you can sort those out, you know, hopefully toward the beginning of your day, I know that doesn't always happen. Sometimes we get tasks in the middle of the day, but truly think about, must this be done by tomorrow? If so, then yeah, knock it out. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, uh, I think the thing that I'm guilty of most often is not stopping. <laughs> and, you know, all of a sudden I'll have missed dinner with my wife or it'll be like 1030 or worse, 130 in the morning and I'm still working. I'm like, wait, what happened? Where did the day go? Why am I continuing to work? And is this important to actually have done right now? And and sometimes you have sprints, you know, uh, or fire drills. Oh, geez, everybody, we need this done by end of the day. But, you know, more often than not, it's just, you don't know when to stop working. And, you know, it's so much easier to do that when you're working from home than it is when you're working in an office and, well, everybody else has walked out the door or, you know, whatever. So. Yeah, because when you're coming from the office, oh, I need to be home by this time for dinner. Well, I have to leave the office by this time. Well, when you're at home and it's close to dinner time, oh, I have 10 more minutes before we have to set the table. I can go ahead and do this. It's uh, it's almost like a sickness. You have to make a concerted effort to stop. One of the things that's helped me is going to some of these exercise classes in the evening. Mm. So if it's at 6.30, you know, I have to stop before I go. Or if it's at five o'clock, I have to be ready to go to walk out the door by 4.30, assuming my schedule will allow it that day and I'm actually home. I may be traveling, which brings me to the next section, you know, travel. In, in previous roles, I may have traveled to a conference or to other locations in the area to, to fix an IT problem. You know, maybe your company has multiple branches that you have to go and service that may or may not be close by. And... So in my case, you know, I've had to travel to customers in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, customers in Oklahoma, and that's that's pretty frequent. So not only are you traveling, but you're also in charge of doing your own re- expense reports. You know, when you're staying in hotels and getting rental cars and on the road and charging meals, claiming mileage, you have to be diligent about putting those things down <laughs> in an expense report so that Number one, you get reimbursed, but also the company knows what money it's spending on you. If you're not diligent about doing that every week or every few days, that's really going to pile up on you. Oh, yeah, definitely. The administrative overhead. Absolutely. 
That's something, you know, I didn't really have to do that before. And then there are a lot of opportunities, at least at VMware, to go to special classes or special events. You know, maybe it's a VMware user group in a different city or a special training class in a different city that would that would really benefit me. And a lot of times the boss asks for volunteers. So sometimes that comes out of nowhere and you get the chance to go and learn something new, meet a new group of people or further network with members of your team who don't live in the same area as you and you don't see every day. And kind of like we said before, you know, when you're just traveling within a specific area, planning your customer visits, you know, maybe the account rep is, is setting the meetings or you're helping to set the meetings and you have to space them out so that you can get from place to place. And hopefully you're leaving a gap so that you can eat lunch and you know, you're not staying too many days in the same place when you don't have meetings. And I, I do travel out of state from time to time, maybe once a month. It's, you, it's not really been more than that necessarily at times it has, but it's not been bad. I, I wasn't really sure how much that would be when I first started. And, you know, just the, the travel alone, you're spending time in the air or in the car where you're not really able to do much work. So you do have to play catch up once you're, once you're finished traveling. Do you have to travel much, John? Yeah, I think I'm flying a little bit less often than you are maybe once a quarter. Um, so that type of thing is a lot easier, but, I would say the driving for me is uh, almost a constant thing. It's probably three days out of five um, during peak season. And yeah, it's rough. I, I think I have a couple tools that help me out. I have this uh, product called, I want to say it's called Automatic that plugs into my data port on my car and Bluetooth syncs with my phone. So it I just basically go to this website and it shows me the mileage and the map that I drove so I can report, you know, every single day and, and we use concur for expense. So I, you know, I try as best as I can to, after I get home to sit in the driveway and then just knock out, okay, here's my mileage for the day, you know, create an expense entry and here's the tolls that I paid, create an expense entry and then walk into the house and not, you know, have to think about anything basically. So, I mean, that's just a discipline thing and, you know, it's, too easy to go, oh, I'm not going to do it today. And then you haven't done it for a week and then you haven't done it for a month. Um, and you have to, you know, recreate it. And it, uh, let me tell you, recreating it is a lot easier when you have a tool like that where you can just go and say, well, oh, well, here's all the driving that I did on any given day. And I can pick out all the, the trips that were business trips and add up all the mileage. It's just, a, you have to find those types of tools. Um, you know, uh, and figure out what it is that you're best at. Like I, I know that I'm horrible at handling pieces of paper and um, concur is great at just like scanning expenses in like right at the time that you're, you're experiencing the thing that you've purchased the thing. So that's, that's how I handle, you know, those types of things, but you know, to each his own and uh, you know, you just have to have a system and then stick to it. <laughs> yeah. I, I've been reading chasing excellence by Ben Bergeron and he talks about this aggregation of marginal gains that premier athletes might go through. He gave a story about the Tour de France team that thought if they could boost their efficiency and performance by 1%, 
that within five years they'd win the Tour de France. And they did it in three because they were able to make enhancements here and there. Just those little boosters like you're talking about, the device that captures your mileage so you don't have to enter it manually. That's that's one of those those marginal gains that over time has probably saved you a ton of extra time. And just being deliberate about your process daily or weekly, whatever is easiest for you so that you don't get this snowball of expense report and administrative work that just takes it out of you and you just dread it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, I'm at my best. uh, If like on a Friday afternoon, I can submit my expense reports for that week, you know, and sometimes it's not possible because we use a company credit card and the expense hasn't come in and it hasn't been reported. But you know, that if, if that's what I'm waiting for, if all my entries are in and I'm just waiting for a sync up from the credit card company, that's me at my best. And at my worst, it's, oh no, I haven't done any expensive reports for this quarter and I have to enter them all in. And that is a nightmare, right? Because then it's, uh, people go, hey, you know, why have you been doing this? And maybe, you know, do you need some help? Uh, Maybe with a monthly check-in? It's like, "Mm, that sounds suspiciously like you're saying I'm incompetent, (laughs) right? So anything that you can do to not have that happen is uh, what you should do. (laughs) Absolutely. Be disciplined, ladies and gentlemen, be disciplined. Now, you know, John, I've had people ask me and I've had you ask me, what expectations did I have coming into this role? And if you or anyone else were to go back and read my blog post from December 2017 about how I got the job, I would essentially say that I almost had no expectations because I was so focused on getting in the door. I knew that I loved VMware. I loved everything about their technologies. And from the description of what the job was, from the calls with the recruiter, the manager, the technical interviews beyond that, I felt like, yes, I could do this and figure it out. And I, you know, I asked as many questions as I had at that time, just as you should. But you can't, you can't know all the questions to ask when you've never done the job. You know, you can talk to people who have done it. I know you and I had a, some conversations about what is this role like? What does someone in this role do? And that was really helpful to me in understanding some of the expectations. But but I think I was just so focused on getting in there that day one, I kind of had a blank slate, no expectations. I would take things as they came. Whether that's right or wrong, that's that's what ended up happening. Has that ever happened to you? Yeah, I mean, I think that even in this job, you know, the experience that you had, like, you know, I could tell you what it is that I do on a day-to-day basis, but you work in commercial and I work in enterprise. So even though we're both solution engineers, those two jobs in different segments are very different. You know, the number of customers that you cover is different, Um, you know, into the hundreds where I have into the tens. So my, you know, kind of like mid to long-term experience with my customers is very relationship focused. It's long-term, it spans years, right? And it's, and it tends to be very slowly changing as opposed to some of the experiences that you've had, you know, dealing with, like I said, juggling like hundreds of hundreds of customers. And, and of course you don't actually handle hundreds of customers in any given day or week or, or even year, but you know, the chances that you're talking to a customer that you've never heard of are non-zero. And for me, it's zero, 
right? There's never a customer that I've never heard of. So then there's also the regional difference. So I'm in Northern California and you're in the Tola region, right? So just how things are transacted, you know, and how relationships work, um, the, the reps that you are specifically working with, as opposed to the reps that I work with, I mean, those are different relationships, different styles of people and different ways of working. So, you know, there, it, it's very, there's very little prep that you could do. You do as much as you can, of course, and then everything else is unknown. You control what you can control and then deal with what you can't, right? Absolutely. Yeah, you're, you're so right. It's It's pretty transactional in the commercial world. I mean, we do have some some high touch customers, of course, but a lot of times we may only talk to a customer once or twice a year mm-hmm. or maybe once a quarter if we're, if we're trying to stay on top of it. But you, the ratio of sales rep and solution engineer to number of customers is very different, as you said. Right, right. Now, I know that when I came in, I was somewhat concerned about my product knowledge of the VMware portfolio. And I won't necessarily go into specifics there, but when you're in the solution engineer role that John and I are in, you are basically a technical generalist across the VMware portfolio. And I try to tell customers, you know, I'm not the person who's going to have a 400 level conversation with you on product XYZ. I'm here to help get the conversation started, to understand your business requirements, and I can pull in the people that we need to for those specialized conversations. You know, I'm quarterbacking, so to speak. And I was afraid in the beginning, maybe a little bit of imposter syndrome, because you don't meet people who are not intelligent when you talk to other solution engineers at VMworld, VMware. Sorry, mm-hmm. Everybody I've spoken with is, is pretty sharp. Someone once told me, a colleague said, you know, the truth is, Nick, everyone here is as good as or better than you. And you just have to accept that. And I told him, I said, I was I was afraid that I might ask you a question and you might think that I was an idiot and should have already known that. And he said, no, that's not the case. Everybody's learning. Everybody's growing. You just have to keep on going and figure it out. And if I don't know the answer to something, I'm not going to tell a customer or one of my colleagues that I do know the answer. I'm going to tell them, you know, I don't know. I can find out. And sometimes you have meetings where you say, I don't know a lot. (laughs) And that may point to a weakness that you find that you need to work on. So that it's no longer a weakness. Maybe there's a particular technology or technology trend that you just don't know that much about and it keeps coming up. So you need to go and work on that so that it's not going to be, a problem next time. Right. That saying, I don't know. I, I remember you mentioned that in a previous episode as well. Um, I think episode seven. Um, and it's a very powerful and humbling feeling to say it, but it's also an empowering thing to be able to say it fearlessly. Right. Because we are not, uh, I mean, I'll use a, an analogy that I, came up with, you know, this past week, we're more of the general contractor, right? We're there to look after the entire project. Um, so that doesn't mean that we don't know anything about plumbing, but if you're looking for like specialized plumbing knowledge, like 
you need to bring in a, a plumber. If you need to looking for special detailed electrician knowledge, then you need to bring in an electrician. But the general contractor knows all those people and knows the people that he trusts and the people that he doesn't, right? So, um, and maybe knows about the specialties that you don't know about. So, you know, you want that good general contractor. And that's what I think that you meant by technology generalist, at least, you know, with respect to VMware knowledge, right? Absolutely. And what's really great is when you do pull in people for those specialized conversations, sitting in on them and learning from that specialized person. And a lot of times you might pick something up so that you can answer some of those questions before you need to bring that person in next time. Right. At least that's what I've found. Yeah. I learned so much about VMware special pro specialized um, products just from listening to the specialists talk about it. And it really shapes your thinking and knowledge and understanding of those products. It's, it's, it's actually really great to work with really smart people. Absolutely. And that's one of those ways to educate yourself on new products or further capabilities or products that you may not have been aware of learning from others, learning from, you know, online training or classroom training, uh, trying to stay on top of new releases of products is actually pretty challenging with the entire product portfolio. We have constantly coming out with new products, constantly coming out with new releases. So we, we do our best to stay on top of that so that we can educate customers on what's new and exciting. That seems to be a popular thing they want to know what's new and exciting because <laughs> in my space in the commercial segment we may talk to someone who hasn't heard from us in a while and really wants to know what's new and exciting yeah that's really cool even acquisitions that's another another thing that seems to be happening as well so you know acquiring a company in uh and you know trusting that the leadership is making acquisitions that you know actually plug holes in the portfolio or complementary products it's been really interesting yeah i think so have you ever <laughs> met someone that also works for the company who lives in the same area that you do but you actually met them at some kind of event in a different area because oh. that's happened to me <laughs> it's funny that 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 happens all the time like uh you know, you're at VMworld and you talk to somebody and then you both find out you live in the same area. Or I think something that happened to me was I was at, um, I think we were headed to Toronto last year for our um, tech summit. And it felt like every single person on the plane was a VMware employee because it was like the plane to be on between San Francisco and Toronto, like on, you know, around that time that we all needed to fly. So, you know, it was just, I sat down to somebody and they're like, oh, do you work for VMware too? And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> yes, yes, I do. And there's a bunch of people that I saw that I knew and then a bunch of people that I didn't. You know, I, I saw that they had, you know, VMware, you know, backpacks or, you know, clothing or something, but I had no idea who they were. And of course, I, I don't know, maybe for me, that's a little bit more often, happens a little bit more often, you know, working from the Bay Area where headquarters is, but um I, you know, you're in Texas and Texas is a big uh, center of mass for VMware as well. It definitely is. And I think up until that sales kickoff, I didn't quite realize how many folks across the different segments are in Dallas, Fort Worth and beyond just in Texas. It's, it's pretty, pretty intense. 
But I mean, making those relationships and even talking with people in other segments, like if I'm talking to you about a problem I'm having, you can still give me some good insight, even though we may not be in, in the same segment. So it's good to make those connections outside of just your own little divisionary bubble, let's just call it. Sure. Yeah. I think uh, that's something that is a constant for me, like making connections and having contacts that you can bounce ideas off of. Um, that maybe don't even have the same job as you because, you know, perhaps they'll have insights and, you know, maybe even like within the SE organization, we have, you know, a collective blind spot about something just because we're all SEs. And what I really need is for tech marketing to point that out to me, like, oh, no, you guys are thinking about it this way, but you're ignoring this important part or you know, a technical product manager might have that same type of view or a developer that can give me insight on, you know, development priorities and why a specific feature isn't coming out and, you know, why I have to keep on talking about why we don't have it out yet, something along those lines. So having a lot of different contacts within different areas, like, oh, so, I mean, it's such a good point. I, I'm, I'm glad that you brought it up because it's something that I don't think was explicit in my mind, but you kind of have to do it. it. Almost like, you know, regardless of what your job is or what company you work for, you need to make those um, network connections, you know, outside of your specific role, your specific division, um, even your, maybe even the company that you work on, you know, work at. You definitely do. I mean, it's, you never know who's going to be able to help you along and you never know who you might be able to help because you want to make sure that both of those things happen. You want to be helpful to others, but the connections you make could lead to job promotion or if you leave the company, that person leaves the company and goes somewhere else. You never know where that may take you. Yeah. Referring somebody into the company. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I will say, though, in the field-facing role, you do have a chance to influence a lot of different things. You know, we are meeting directly with customers, getting their feedback on our products, our support, our processes, their perception of the company as a whole. So we, we have an influence on them by being engineers. If I say something as an engineer that has a very different it has a very different effect than maybe if the account representative says it just because my title says engineer and they think of me as being a bit more technical, but I, I really enjoy the customer interactions and we can take the feedback from those customers and we can relay that back to our product management and say, here's what this customer really likes about our products. Here's what this customer really didn't like. Here's the struggle they're facing and why this did or did not work. It's, it's a powerful tool to be able to send that feedback up the chain. And I, I really feel like that gets listened to and, and that people take action on it. Wouldn't you say the same, John? Oh yeah, definitely. Because, you know, once you learn how to make that reporting as opposed to just, Hey, the, you know, customers seem to want this and, you know, that is generally not helpful. But if you are able to give context around that, hey, this pro this feature is missing. They feel like it's important because you know every single day they do this. So you know, five hundred times a month they would be trying to do this, 
it would save them 20 minutes each time, you know, some kind of impact statement. You know, if you can wrap your arms around that and report back and then say, I imagine that we have, you know, a large number of customers that are in this situation, you know, just because it's not, it's not a unique situation that this customer is in, you know, um, they're using the, you know, bog simple version of everything and they still have this, like, what they feel is a missing feature or missing workflow, then, you know, I think that's a, it's a lot easier for product management to hear that and say, oh yeah, that makes more sense. I understand the impact and I can project out the impact and I can prioritize, you know, working on that, putting engineering resources, working on that just uh, as a result. It, and by the way, it also opens up this, this discussion of the different roles within the company. Cause you keep on talking about, you know, talking to product managers. And I think, you know, when I was in IT, I had no idea what that role was, right? So, you know, now I kind of know like, okay, so, you know, there's this product manager who's kind of the interface between the customers and the developers who's helping to set, you know, priorities in development, you know, which backlog features are the most important, which, um, you know, brand new features, need to be prioritized and which enhancements, you know, are more important than, you know, X, Y, Z. And, and without that, you know, if you, if you never become curious about how that process works, then you would not be effective at influencing the product for your customers. So another really good point, I think maybe we need to write down these points that you're making. Sounds good. Whoever makes the show notes needs to do that. <laughs> but I'm with you. I didn't know what a product manager was or that that was even a thing when I was in internal IT. I just, you know, it's not something you really get educated on, I don't think. Yeah, yeah. There's all kinds of knowledge, I think, once you come into, like, for example, you know, our example, this SE role, you know, it's information that you didn't know about how product gets sold. Right, it's a very standard structure to have um, deal registration. So, uh, for example, you know, customers might say, "How come you know I can't buy from whoever I want to buy it from, you know, and get the best price?" Or, "Hey, I'm going to play these people off against each other." And it's like, well, you know, that that's not exactly how you know enterprise you know purchasing of equipment and software works. Generally, we have a partner channel. Generally. You know, you can buy it from whoever you want, but the person who is most closely working with you, um, you know, gets more of like a, they get a deal registration. So they get a um, preferential discount for having, you know, worked with you to discover the issue and, and propose a solution. So, you know, it kind of keeps it from being like a, a car sales type thing where it's like a pure commodity product. Like, you know, we're trying to have partners that can discover problems, wrap solutions around it. You know, even that part of um, the job as an IT operations person, you know, when, when I was buying things, I did not know that that existed, right? So even coming into, um, you know, the vendor side and working as a solution engineer, it was like, oh, geez, now I have to learn about this process too, you know, which I didn't know about another gap in knowledge and another thing to know about. So much knowledge. No one can be told what the matrix is, John. All right. Well, Nick, I think that's it for that segment. And it was really all that we had planned. 
for this week. Uh, anything else pop into your mind while we talked? Whoa, 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 John. I thought you were going to ask me a bunch of questions that I wasn't going to be prepared to answer. I mean, I got, I have everything from life lessons to career talk to parenting advice prepared, and now you're just going to leave me hanging? That's right. I'm going to leave you and the listeners hanging until next week when we come back for John's questions, my questions to Nick about uh, that first year at VMware. Um, yeah, so that's where we're going to leave it. All right, fine. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we've whetted your appetite a little bit. I know you're hungry for more. But we want you to remember to subscribe and give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. We want to know if we're being helpful and are always looking for interesting questions to ponder or in next week's episode, questions to answer. We're collectively on Twitter at Nerd Journey. All right. Farewell, listeners. Tune in next time as the journey continues. I'm John White at VJourneyman for Nick Cordy at NetworkNerd underscore signing off. Seriously, what are you going to ask me? Still a secret. Ah, all right. Adios. Adios.